Hey everyone, welcome to Going in Circles. This is the Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I'm the host of the Going in Circles Network. My co-host on the Big Monday Show, Barry Spears, the sniper, as he's known, will be with us in just a few minutes. Uh, we're going to recap a bunch of stake races over this holiday weekend. There was uh, lots of stakes all over the country. Uh, we'll talk about that, including some races today. Um, we'll talk about uh, some things that kind of were hot-button issues over the weekend. Um, maybe not the most important things in the world, but things that eh, we want to take a crack at. And in our last segment, we're going to talk about an issue that's that seems so easy to solve that's so difficult. And we'll uh, we'll let you know what that is when we get there. But um, I appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we're gonna split it up a little bit. Uh, maybe make it a, a a little bit of a shorter show, but. Uh, you know, kind of focus on, on certain topics, and we're going to lead off with the stakes recap, and there was plenty of stakes, uh, including stakes that were just run not too long before we uh, went on the air. All right, be back in a minute with the sniper. Hello, Mr. Spears. Hello, Mr. Simon. And a good big Monday to you. As well as for yourself, a good big Monday, a great big Monday. It's a holiday big Monday, technically. It's a, it's, it's a technical holiday. Not a technical foul, it's a technical holiday. Should be a technical foul. Well, it was weird, but uh, but we made it through, and here we are. We got the big Monday show. We have a plethora of races to recap. We have a couple... Items on the docket, and uh, maybe a little bit of a new format. We're going to try to split it up a little bit. So, um, I guess let's just add one right on the top. And uh, something that happened just a few hours ago: the uh, the gamine return. Oh. <laughs> Is that what you want to call that? <laughs> a return. So it was like a, it was like a, a kickoff return, which she, she got in the open field and and ran away from him. Yeah, it was Desmond Howard like set a track record. Um, six and a, six and a half furlongs and one fourteen and four change. You know the thing is, I I, I get on her case about the tomato cans thing. But there's really nobody to, to run against her. Not at, not at, at, you know, six and a half, seven. Who, who, who's, who is there that could run with her at all? Um, that's a great point, as a matter of fact. Uh, like Frank's Rockette ran in some... Uh, I mean, not that Frank's Rockette is in the same league as her, but she ran in uh, and won some little minor league stake in Iowa the other day. It wasn't even, you know, I think it was like a $98,000 race. Uh, so, <laughs> obviously, they have uh, kind of downgraded, unless they were just looking for a, an easy spot. But, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, Gamine is, by far, she was the best Philly sprinter last year. 
and she remains the best Philly sprinter this year. By he a just, long uh, yeah, but, much better than anybody else. But by a football field, basically. Um, but uh, you know, you're right. I mean, California stakes are easy to beat up because they stink. Um, <laughs> they do. They've they're they have been abysmal. abysmal. Yeah, the fields have been horrible. Like four four horse fields, five horse fields. It's no good. And turf races. Turf races with four horse fields, um, and it doesn't mean that there aren't, aren't you know good horses out there. There are, but uh, these I've made it a rule over the last, let's say, about five years, is to bet against any any stakes horse coming east from California. It's just an automatic no play. Like I refuse, except to do it. Except, except in a derby. <laughs> Bet him in the Derby, yeah. but any turf force coming out of California is an automatic play against. No, there's 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 something that needs to be done. You know, greatest stakes committee, you guys. I got, there's a reckoning that's going to come here, and we've got to get as an industry that these stakes are bad. They're bad for business. You're creating a lot of phony black type. Horses literally have to beat one horse to get black type. Um, and in the ways, the bloodstock business isn't beneficial to racing. Yes, in some ways it is. And in some ways it's not. So, Well, it, it is when it's not oversaturated. Well, it's, you, you know, know like... like you, like you were saying, you know, there's there's a ton of stakes races, and then you know there's a ton of bloodstock people, and it's it just seems like that whole market is over flooded and it's it's diluting the whole premise. Right. No, it's, this is true, and and uh, I guess the point was I was trying to make was that, you know, like you said, when you have four and five horse races to get black type. You're only having to beat a horse or two. So, um, so it, it's definitely a case of the tail wagging the dog. And this is not new. This is, this is a familiar theme that we, we've talked about that, that other people have talked about. But you know, to, to go back to a conversation that we were having last week about the three-year-old stakes, there's just way too many three-year-old stakes. There's just way too many. It's they, they overlap to the point where, um, you know, it, it's almost laughable. I mean, again, not to pick on California, but we're going to pick on California. I mean, Los Alamitos Derby was won by a horse who was running 11s on the thoroughbred sheets. 11s. 11s. Literally, it's been, it's been every two weeks, right? And about that. Oh, every week, every week for a while now. I mean, yeah. the, the, they, they had eight nominations to that stake. Eight. Eight nominations. And, and of course, um, you know, she usually does out there, wins it, which is um, not surprising. But you're talking, when there's eight horses nominated to a stake, these are graded stakes. can't be. That can't. That just can't be. <laughs> Um, I mean, the Dwyer, the Dwyer with the, with the two other allowance race today. Oh, yeah, that was no good. 
and and we knew it was going to be no good. Yeah, we called that weeks ago. <laughs> you know, and, and oh, weird. You know, it's just in the middle of nowhere. It's like no man's land. The, it, I mean, I was surprised. I have to admit that Nova Rags didn't come back, and I thought that that would have been that had been spot for him for sure, coming off of the third place, albeit a not exactly a, a you know just missed third place in the Woody Stevens. I was very surprised that he shit and uh, ran in Iowa and ran like terrible. Um, ran the typical Nova Rags race. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems like the, <laughs> the Dwyer was a much easier spot. <laughs> no, the, and the Dwyer has become, um, it's a one turn mile, right? And if you're a three year old, at this time of the year, if you're a, a sprinter, well, the Saratoga series, the Amsterdam and, and the Allen Jerkins, um, you know, which is a grade one at six and a half and at seven, the Woody Stevens was, he, he was just at seven. So they're probably, you know, you're not going to want to stretch out again to cut back again. So, it kind of loses a little bit of its luster for those horses. The older, or excuse me, the, uh, the other horses, um, the other horses in the, the uh, all of the big money is two year old. Or, sorry, I'm having trouble today. Um, but three year olds around two turns, the big money races, obviously, the Haskell, the Travers, the Pennsylvania Derby, uh, the West Virginia Derby. I mean, these are all big money races for two turns. So cut back to one turn would be a strange move, right? So, you know, between the and the Los Alamitos Derby and the Dwyer and the Iowa Derby and, uh, um, you know, the, the mini Pegasus. And then two weeks we have the uh, West Virginia uh, Derby. <laughs> the West Virginia Derby's in August. We have the, the Haskell coming up to Curlin, the Jim Dandy. I mean, there's just this, you know, overflow of race of horses and and as such that's that's what happens when like uh you know, the iowa derby was won by by a horse named stiletto boy it was a local horse uh super stock stunk nova rag stunk um but this is what's going to happen the horse who like i said who won the los alamitos derby yesterday uh he he would have been If he ran, if Baffert ran him in a Haskell, he would have been a hundred to one. <laughs> so it's it's just uh, there's so many of them, and it's um like you said, the Dwyer's in this weird place of you know, the only benefit of the Dwyer at this point, really, horse like first captain who won today. Um, who is a late developing horse who hasn't, you know, has, has raced in New York around one turn, even though he's really bred to go probably as long as they write races on the dirt, being by curling out of a AP Indy mare uh, named America, 4th of July, you know. <laughs> but um, uh, like Bobby for him, it, 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 it kind of fits in some way because it's his second start. Uh, against winners, and 
even though he won the race, he is still eligible for the curling, uh, which comes up uh, in, I think, like 25 uh, because the curling now reads for horses that have not won a sweepstake at, a, uh, at over a mile. So the mile race no longer counts. So the, you, he's still eligible for the curling. I'm pretty sure it used to be if, if a horse won a stake. I might yeah, be wrong. That, that's what no, I thought the race was. So, you know, that that's a little, a little bit of a benefit, but it's still coming back. Um, in less than a month, which is not done that often with those type of horses. And I think you're going to get a lot. You're going to get this field every year. You're going to get a bunch. Of, it, was, it was literally a bunch of allowance horses. The only horse who won a stake had won an off the turf stake. Um, he didn't do that much running today. Either. Uh, but short fields are a big problem, man. And, and it's not just stake races everywhere. Short fields. It's just, it's an issue, and, and there's always going to be excuses. You know, everybody's waiting for Saratoga. Everybody, you know, Ellis Park is, you know, guys are Churchill. They're, they're closing the backside. They had to move. They had to do this. They had to do that. But I don't buy I mean, it. But we've been here for a long time without, you know, all those other, you know, uh, excuses, factors, whatever you want to call them. It's been It's been steadily declining. You know, anybody that plays the races or even watches or pays attention can see that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 something that it's difficult to get anyone. And this goes back to not having an umbrella organization to get people at least in a room and talk about it. Say, hey, we have a big problem. How do we you know, how do we handle it? Um what can we do? What can we make? You know, how can we adjust things to make it it better for everyone? Because it's difficult um, when no one wants to give up anything. But I mean, we're at the situation, and and there's just not enough horses to go around. Yeah, it, that's that's pretty obvious. That's uh, like the thing that jumps off the page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's easier to see with the stake horses because we and and um, you know there's they're a little more high profile. You look at a stake schedule, you can see kind of where everybody may or may not run. Unlike a condition, uh, you know, if you have twelve condition books, you have to look and see where allowance races are, this or that. So it's it's easier to to see, but it's a problem at all levels. Um, there was a race. Um, Actually, let's talk about it later. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a problem. I mean, uh, I can we can go right right to the the next two races that were held in Iowa last week. Uh, oh yeah, the Iowa, which was uh, Army Wife uh, confirming her uh, her form from the Black Eyed Susan, uh, Pauline's Pearl, um, and get out of weight. Poorly, Get out really of the gate. Kind of, yeah, that, that kind of hurt her, but uh, I mean, um, it was a grade three, and those two were, were you know clearly the best two fillies in there. Uh, and then you know, Nick's go, um, dropped back the rarely seen, uh, uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> the, the rarely seen Saudi 
Iowa, but uh, move. You know, he, he dominated the field. I mean, he just out field. He got a huge buyer, he, 113 buyer. He, I think Craig gave him like 130 something time form. So I mean, it was a massive race. But I mean, it was just such a such a race. You know, a race dynamic that was so much in his favor that it, you know he had to run a huge number. You know, when I was a kid, the uh, standard breads used to run time trials. And they don't run them anymore because what's the point? I mean, they go faster now in races than they used to go in time trials. But they used to have these things called time trials. And they would have horses actually gallop to try to prompt the horses. And uh, the Red Mile was the place that had a lot of them because it's kind of the fastest track. And they would literally try to see how fast the horse could go. Um, and that's kind of what the... <laughs> that's kind of what Nick's go had the other day, it was like a time trial, you know, like it was a very, very soft field of horses and he had a huge advantage and back on Lasix and he just crushed them. And, you know, people, it was funny after, after the race, there was like two camps of people. There was the, the people that were uh, fawning, you know, like falling oh. over over like oh my god you know oh uh. and then there was the people who were criticizing it which i thought was kind of difficult to criticize because Can't criticize. yeah if you, if you beat a if you if you beat a bad field well that's fine but if you struggle to beat a bad field but i mean he won by about 10 you know <laughs> like i mean what did you think like what were your what did you expect to happen of course he's going to crush that field I mean, that basically wasn't too much different than the horses he beat at the Pegasus. It was similar, you know, maybe give or take a couple of horses like, you know, uh, possibly Sleepy Eyes Todd, but he's he's that caliber. And that's a horse that Nick, Nick's go should beat every time he's on the racetrack. So, I mean, he, he definitely, you know, did exactly what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to kill horses like that. You're supposed to just blow them out. So yeah, I can't, and, I can't think just like, it's just, it was just weak and, you know, the whole field was weak, but he did what he had to do. Got another stakes win and uh, moving forward. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be skeptical going forward, obviously, um, because it was just the best setup he could ever get. <laughs> so, you know, those numbers I'll, I'll be wary of when I look at the, the past performances. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, he, he's a horse that has the ability to run a freakishly fast number. Um, but it almost always comes with a perfect trip. Absolutely. He does not take pressure well. And I think that's going to be his undoing. Um, you know, going back to the point we made a little bit before about the uh, you know, competition and stake races with soft fields. I mean, we had th- in the last week we had three of them: Latrushka, Nixko, and and Gamine today. I mean, these were just like layup drills for these horses. Tomato cans, and and no one really even tried to press them. Well, so, like I said, I think earlier, um, you know, the Gamine thing, I can I can forgive because there isn't anybody. The other two. 
you know, Latruska has been definitely pretty good since coming off the shelf. Um, but again, it's not like she can't be beat. Same thing with, with Nick's go. I mean, we've seen it, but people just have to try. Them. But if everybody wants to take back that, those horses will win every time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gamine is is a superior miler sprinter type, and the only time, you know, she lost was when they tried her a mile and an eighth. So, um, and she got beat by you know good horses that day too. So, it's not. Uh, I mean, she 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 literally could be undefeated if they had followed my plan. Remember, I, I, did, yeah, I said they should skip the oaks. If they had I, followed I, my plan, Baffert wouldn't have got a positive. He would only have one. You should have did it, Bob. You should have listened. She might have to face males, right? <laughs> I mean, what, what else? I mean, I guess, you know, if they really want to, they just sweep everything going forward into the, you know, Philly Mayor Sprint. I, I mean, she already won it. Why, why not try to right, why not try to sprint? I mean, who, who, is, who are you afraid of? That's my thing. I mean, yeah, control maybe, maybe Yalpon, but I don't know. No, Yalpon is right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, off the show, I, I, after, <laughs> after after the no show last year, just I killed Yalpon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Yalpon. <laughs> he did win this week to light the fuse. Uh, he did, which you know, another four, four horse field, right? <laughs> four horse field. <laughs> uh, but but you know they're running that race the the same weekend as they're running the 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 Nerud in New York. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Yapan did get a hundred and one buyer and Mind Control, who beat Forensic Fire, the Belmont Specialist, on the barn switch to Mister Pletcher, uh, received a ninety nine buyer. Though the pace wasn't really swift, therefore. Um, you know, might have affected that downwards. You know, you're talking a couple points anyways. But uh, I actually mind control winning key to the, I actually cashed a ticket at Belmont. What? Yeah, late pick three. Yes, sir. Late pick three. I like uh, Fire. Oh, Fire. Fire. And then then I I went to the the Naira (laughs) Shuffle. There's only one horse with speed in this race. Uh, Luis Saez figured it out, and John Taranola's horse went wire to wire. And then um, I just used two in, in, in the um, in the the uh, the the mind control. Uh, I mean, excuse me, the the narrowed, I mean, <clears throat> to me, forensic fire, of course, had the rail again, which isn't ideal. And in mind control, like I said, switching to Pletcher, the horses run big good enough to win the race before and virtually no one else in the race had. So it was a two horse race. I mean, it had the one, you know, had forensic fire one, I would have cashed, but uh, it was $35 pick three. Yeah. With a, even money starting it out good. and the second choice yeah. winning the third leg. So, I mean, you know, I'm patting myself on the back. As you should. I, 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 need, I, 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 I need, I need to, I need to build up my, my, my handicapping, uh, uh, ego Prowess. right now. I've yeah, been getting yeah. just destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you said, I mean, mind control, forensic fire, and, and 
Yao Pound and Gamming. Who are you taking? <laughs> I'm t- I, I'd have to go with Gamming at this point. Yeah. Not only that, they're going to give her three pounds. Like, like she needs more, you know. Um, the pick six, uh, Pimlico had a big jackpot pick six payout um, yeah. yesterday. And I got to tell you, if you are way better than I do. Yeah, that was because, a tough. Uh, that was, those horses were tough to have, a couple of them. I looked at the sequence and I said, I have no real um, strong feelings outside of the two chalkers that won. And uh, I didn't play, and I would have not probably hit. Or good. That was uh, lovely. A Thirty-one thousand with two chalks and five million was, was five uh, shot. <laughs> yeah, five million was in the pool. So I think that was the highest non-Preakness or Black-eyed Susan handle at Pimlico in like forever. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they don't really run this far into the season. No. And there was already 1.4 million into the pool already. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, we had uh, the Summit of Speed was, was Saturday. <laughs> Summit of It's what they should call it now. <laughs> I said they should have they should have a whole card of five claimers and call it the summit of, the summit of shit. Um, <laughs> Probably the best races they get all year during the non championship meet. And not for nothing, but the, the 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 race today at Belmont, I think it was the fifth race, the race prior to the Gufo race. It was a Phillies and Mares twenty five thousand claiming. That may have been the worst. <laughs> five claimers I've ever seen. And it was a good betting race. I mean, it was a, a good betting race. Those but, are usually the ones, man. I mean, the, the worst fields end up being the best betting races for a lot of reasons. There are eight claimers all over the country that I think that could have won that race. It, it was really, really bad. But um, it yeah, wasn't state rides, correct? It was not a state No, ride. an open 25,000, not a condition at all. <coughs> well, it was, a, it was a soft, soft 25 claimer. So if you got horses in that uh, up in the Northeast and you got anything that can run a, can, can shade a, a 10 thoroughgraph number, you're good because you shot. Yeah, so uh, the Princess Rooney was a win and you're in. CC for Whitey McCarthy. She was just too good. Too much. Uh, too much. Yeah. Was smile. No. Uh, it was kind of a wide open race. It was second. On paper, but, yeah. Uh, miles ahead won the, the smile. That was a oh, yeah. pleaser. Victor Espinosa on a pickup mount. Victor came <laughs> in and supposedly was on vacation in Colorado for three weeks, hadn't ridden at all, comes in and wins both sets. Stole some money. Yes, sir. I had that horse, by the way. Miles ahead. Funny, yeah. And and I believe from what I was reading, the whole DRF staff that handicapped Gulfstream had that horse, and he wasn't the favorite either. I think he was second choice too. Third third choice, I believe. 
Maybe third, yeah. I think I think Chancet and Diamond Diamond Oops and then Chancet were yeah, I, favorite and second choice. Definitely against Diamond Oops in that spot. But the summit of speed is a shell of itself. It really is. Uh, it's it really it's is. fallen actually behind the clamming crown. <laughs> oh, well, it's it, it essentially was two stake races. They had two stakes, a maiden, and the rest were. Were relatively cheap climbing races. So. Well, you know what? There's there's too many stakes. I mean that that that's a problem. So I mean, um, too many stakes, not enough. That's it's a bad formula. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know when they ran this first, when they first started running at some of the speed, Calder. it was colder, and it also was uh, Saratoga opened a little bit later, so. Um, there was a little more. Uh, there was a little more of a gap between that, I believe. But um, yeah, it was. It was. Well, yeah. No, I think it was. It was this time of year, beginning of July, late June. Yeah, but Saratoga didn't used to open until the right. End of they, July. They, right, they didn't open until the last week of July instead of right. or August at that point. Yeah. I remember it's, lost it's, uh, in, in in those races in, in on the Summit of Speed card one year. Yeah, the Smile was a grade one, five hundred thousand dollar race. <clears throat> when it was at Calder. Yeah, yeah, it was a grade one, and it probably shouldn't even be graded now. I mean, that was not a a strong field. Um, the Suburban. <laughs> I'm still laughing about that. You know, I didn't, I didn't really like Happy Savers' comeback race. No, it was, it wasn't that great, and I, I didn't like his race on on Saturday at all. I, I really think that that horse is, um, he just hasn't progressed. <laughs> if there's a physical issue of some sort, but um, you know, he he kind of got a That's late start game. as a as a three year old. And he got a little bit of a late start as a four-year-old, and right, it I, has I mean, to be. That's that's got to be the thought. There's some some sort of physical issue going on there for him to have those many, you know, those breaks and just didn't come back running. No, he he just, you know, he just hasn't. He he just hasn't. Like to me, I don't see this the the big stride in that horse, the big fluid stride that he had. And, um, you know, maybe he just, you know, Todd usually has those horses cranked up when they come back to, and that's the thing is different trainers obviously have different methods and, and, um, some guys' horses might need a start or two before they're at their best. Uh, guys like Baffert and Pletcher, especially, um, they don't when, uh, Chad Brown, his horses on the turf, at least, when they come back off layoffs, they're ready to run. They, they, you know, there's no more, uh, you know, give them a race or two. But, you know, some guys, it's not that their horses aren't ready to win. or It's just that they they might get better their second or third start off a layoff. But Todd's not. The horses are usually pretty sharp off a layoff. So um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know because. Uh, Even I had a rat. <laughs> he even had a rabbit, technically. Yeah, well, kind of a rabbit. A rabbit that wants to go like a mile and three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> and 
Dave Moretti, the the boxing judge. Um, but my, Max Player kind of, uh, I mean, I'll be honest. After the race, I I, I looked at the PPs again, and I'm I'm like, I, I don't see it. I, I just don't know where that race came from. I know that oh, all there was there was thought that came at really longer distances. I, I mean, if if that's anything to hang the handicapping hat. No, I mean, there was a, a, a line of reasoning that the Pimlico special race was, um, <laughs> you know, against the bias. He was running against the bias, but he didn't do much running and it wasn't a very good field. So, I mean, this race kind of came out of nowhere to me. Yeah, I, I, I even texted you. I said, why are people betting Max Player? Yeah, exactly. That was, that was the situation <laughs> is that you were questioning that and well he was betting the doubles that's what really jumped out to me i was like this horse is kind of bet in doubles it wasn't like it was a huge thing and he was taking a lot of action a lot more than i thought anyway and um came through i mean hats off to him he won i i I mean i like you said i don't know where that came from i you know i would have bet against him 12 times out of 100 (laughs) you know every single time just it's it's just it's just insane. I, I don't I don't know where it came from, but it it looks like people were anticipating a, a bounce back of sorts. But the only thing I could see after the race was is you know most of his races that he did run well were longer, on right. a longer. But I couldn't I couldn't gamble on that. Yeah. I, I gotta say, I'll be betting against him wherever he shows up. So, yeah, well, that's uh, the, I'm guessing maybe <laughs> the Jockey Club Gold Cup, right? I mean, if you're thinking maybe he wants to go longer, uh, keep him at the mile and a quarter. Yeah, that seems. It, it is still a mile and a quarter, right? So, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I know they moved it to. Which is just weird. Yeah, that's strange. I don't uh, like but it. that 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 race is not till September fourth, so you're talking two months. Um, <clears throat> but I, I don't know about you know I don't know where there's any other mile and a quarter races. Um, there one, in, but that's in September also, isn't it? Where on the parks? Uh, what's that? crazy day they have oh the greenwood but i know i think it's a mile and a half i think the greenwood's a mile and a half because the greenwood was kind of like (laughs) literally the only prep for the the now defunct breeders cup marathon uh it's you know there's a there's a marathon race on the undercard it's just not a breeders cup race nor should it ever have been it was it, it was a championship race for a division that doesn't exist um, but that's, I don't know. I mean, to me, uh, I'm willing to kind of like, well, I'm not willing to, I'm going to, I'm going to just pretend like <laughs> this race didn't happen and then just go back on with Max player not being that good. So if he proves me wrong, he proves me wrong. Uh, I thought Mystic Guide ran all right, but I I, I've never, race at never been a fan of that horse. And he's run well, you know. It's not like he's he's thrown in bad races or anything like that. I just well, someone said it... someone said something about um, uh, a horse. Uh, who was it? 
on Maxfield about stepping up to grade one competition. And I'm like, have you seen the grade <laughs> one competition that, that that exists out here? I mean, like, who, who's who's good? Right. You got to take a shot, right? Yeah. I mean, Godolphin, of course, has Mystic Guy. They have um, Maxfield and they have uh, Quality, who probably is the best of the three. <laughs> Uh, figuring he's going to continue to get a little bit better, and um, those two are probably close. So it's a good it's a, it's a good dilemma to have, um, but um, it's a long ways to go. That's why this talk of horse of the year and stuff it's just so premature. <laughs> Understatement. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a little break, and we'll come back. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about beer prices. And we'll <laughs> talk about takedowns or lack thereof. All right. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, everyone! Thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free. The Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview. Um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or racing history. This last week, we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which uh, unfortunately was the the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening. All right, we're back. We're going to talk about something that was put on Twitter yesterday. <laughs> it got a it, it elicited a lot of commentary because you know, sometimes these are the type of things that that we wind up talking about, but um a Belmont regular put a a, a plastic Craft beer with a little orange. <laughs> uh, I guess it was about eight, eight, eight ounces. It fourteen dollars for that. It seems kind of, you know, wildly high, and uh, I wonder sometimes, like. The powers that be, and and I understand that Naira, it's a little different because I don't know that that, that I think they might have had their concessions contracted out to someone or uh, to Genting maybe, or I'm not exactly sure what the deal. Aqueduct they are, but uh, they have to understand that when you say you're a sporting event like a baseball game or a football game that's just really not the truth <laughs> it, it just isn't we're not we're not a sport 
we're, we're a gambling entity. This is not a sport anymore, especially with the the five horse field uh, parades. Sports have a sports don't take six or seven hours to get their their card unless you're playing what's that thing they play in India? Uh, cricket. 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 Yeah, the, the, cricket. I guess can take a couple of days. Kind of like weird baseball, but <laughs> when people are, you're asking them to come to your racetrack and stay there for five or six hours. And I don't drink at the races. I mean, if someone bought something and, you know, forced me to drink it, I probably would. But I mean, I don't go to the races and, and drink because, you know, drinking and betting or <laughs> my betting is bad enough. Bad bedfellows. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this is a problem. Um, I was at Arlington a couple, well, I guess, a month ago, a little over a month ago, and you know, they're selling white claws for eight bucks. Ooh, that's hurtful. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, we don't ha- get that many people to go to the races to start with. And I know that Churchill has some, um, at Churchill, they have some um, some specials. And it just seems that, you know, you're welcoming, well, we're bringing fans back, right? We're trying to get them back. They, we had a whole year without them. And, uh, I mean, we don't have huge, Saratoga, Del Mar, Keeneland, occasional days on Churchill, you know, big days at, at, at certain tracks. It just seems like we should be trying to make it a little bit more affordable. Yeah, like o- almost overcompensating <laughs> instead of the opposite. I mean, that $14 beer, that's on par with with NFL games. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's going to be three hours. And they cut it off. They cut off, um, you know, yeah, after the third quarter. They don't even allow you. So, two and a half hours. So, all right, it's a little bit of a different story. I mean, or you get a whole thirty-one o'clock post time, and they're still racing at six thirty-seven o'clock. Well, we're thirsty. Alex Spears could have a. Your cousin could, you know, he could drink one or two of the rapes. But most people can't. But it's still, it, you're talking a lot of money. And that money, like, from a horseman's standpoint, the track, that, that goes directly to the track and their vendor. So that's money that's not bet. And when you start adding up what it costs to park, what it costs to get in, what it costs to get you know, whatever PPs you, you have, um, now you're having, you know, expensive concessions, that's all money that's not bad. Um, so, I don't know what the situation in Saratoga is going to be. I know people in the back, they're going to allow uh, a cooler, right? Was that the rule? You can bring a cooler in. Right. Like, unlike well, Monmouth, which, you know, Monmouth did the same thing. They, they, It was a huge deal. I know lots of people that used to go to Monmouth for a uh, picnic and bring coolers and food and have a barbecue and 
And now they want to, you know, they only want to charge them 30 bucks to. It just seems tone deaf. That's all. I guess that that's all. I mean, this. Well, yeah. Counterintuitive. I mean, you know, if you have people there, right. It's like, you know, you got to pick poison. What would you rather them do? You know, concessions or. I don't. I don't believe they can really have both. You know, not at this at the at the elite level. You know what I mean? You have to concede one of the two, and it just seems like the betting would not ever be conceded. So you have to kind of accommodate the prices for the food and drinks and what have you in order to you know make it at least a semi enjoyable experience while you're there, even though you may be getting your head handed to you betting wise. You know, but at least you had the, you know, $5 beer and the $2 hot dog. <laughs> well, the other factor is that, uh, you know, you're trying to attract young people. You're trying to attract young people to your 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 your, your industry, right? Well, you charge young people $14 a beer, and we're not talking like... Ever uh, coming. You know, a beer that, uh, you know... Was, it was, was, import, was, was imported from uh, the Queen of England's refrigerator. I mean, we're talking like what's that? Blue Moon. I mean, I moon. that was a Blue right? Moon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this Blue Moon like special. It's like, is it like the the into mischief of beers? Well, you could buy you could buy six pack of that for less than fourteen. See that that can I opened up and it was not beer. Pepsi. Actually, it was iced tea. Arizona iced tea. Oh, is the 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 green tea? Yeah, I'm I'm so addicted to that. It's 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 it's, it's a shit. I have to get. It. Yeah, it's good. It's good. There's stuff. there's something in that other than sugar. <laughs> <laughs> no, not much else. <laughs> no, I just you know like if you think about it, because people want to, they always want to say, and this is always the tracks. You know, well, you know, look at. To the Yankee game, you're not the Yankees, <laughs> right? It's, it's not. It's not a Yankee game, and it's not, game. It's not, not a basketball game. I, listen, you know what? Belmont Stakes Day, Traverse Stakes Day, uh, Pegasus Day. I get it. These are huge crowd. Yeah, people are there to spend money, but like your day to day regular days, like you got to like beg people to come <laughs> and. If you go to a football game and and you're a drinker, right? Well, you're for in tailgating. Well, you're gonna be you know you're, you're gonna be bringing your own. So you're gonna go into the game pre-raced. So <laughs> you might have a couple inside, and then they cut you off in the third quarter. That's what I'm trying to say is that you might have one or two, maybe, but racing we're there all day. We're there all day and. I well, mean, that's another one of those, like in horse racing, that happens a lot where they don't play the long game. They're playing the short game. You know, that's a great point. They're thinking about the, the, the immediate impact, not what the impact is going forward. And that's the short sighted thinking is, is just going to destroy this industry. It's, well, I is going to might be replaced by 
has <laughs> or is, is 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 currently is in progress. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was a Gufo, a Gufo sighting today. I, I bet against Gufo every time. I'm sorry, Chris Colon. I just even today. I, I, I bet. I, yes, I needed. I needed uh, your horse, the the maker oh, pace setter. Tide of the sea, huh? Yes. If Tide of the Sea had won, I would probably be going to Saratoga next week on a private jet that I bought. I would have hit everything. But I mean, I I thought I thought this was the day that um, Tide of the Sea was going to beat Gafo, but well, you can't say he didn't get it. He didn't get his all. He got his trip. He got, he his, got trip. his. He did. Uh, I thought there was a little bit of fake controversy with Gufo and that there was uh come on bro kind of a non non factor a non event event but yeah <clears throat> yeah that that non takedown or whatever you want to call it the inquiry was inconsequential and I think they made the right call they did <laughs> speaking Uh-oh. of stewards in New York and I know two of the three stewards pretty well, and I, I like them personally. And and I, I just I can't fathom how they let Leah Jamardi's horse run in the third race on Saturday at Belmont. I just can't fathom how they. Let I, I got run. a lot of text messages over that one. A lot, um, and I just was kind of taken aback. Um, you just can't let that horse run. You just can't. You're, you're well, just... their rationale is they said I, I I read an article and they they said that the horse did did nothing but jog for three eighths of a mile, and that's not what it looked like. Yeah, it was. They they, than... they have a they I have mean, a whole a lot different. Uh... <laughs> I, I haven't. I, I mean, I, I've been going to the races and watching races for almost 30 years <laughs> and I've never seen a horse break away from the handlers and jog not saying it hasn't happened I just never seen it they usually all take off well you know they the horse and I mean, he was not jogging he was galloping he was running <laughs> and he was galloping at, at, at a pretty good clip for, for a long ways um, yeah, got halfway around the uh, the the clubhouse turn. That that was just um, you just can't you can't. This is the thing is like afterwards you cannot self you can't you can't you have to say hey listen we might have screwed that up we maybe yeah, should have not called. Don't understand. defend a bad call. Don't defend all- a bad call. The horse eased. Yeah, it was gas. He already ran the race twice before he actually ran the race. Of course, he's going to, you know, ease. Listen, if the horse runs good and he gets beat a neck or something, then, okay, you made a bad call, but you got lucky and dodged it. You can't let that horse run. No, there's so many things. There's there's no upside to that. You're Naira. You're, you're not, you're not Fonner. 
It's a holiday weekend. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the rationale. And then like you said, I didn't understand the rationale of letting him run, and then I don't understand the rationale of defending it as if there was nothing to see. You know, I, I, I told somebody that was texting me about it, I was like, Well, it sounds like they're trying to pull the, the uh Jedi mind trick on us. Like we <laughs> didn't see what we saw. You know, it clearly the horse ran for over three eighths of a mile. So what are you trying to tell us that, you know, like, like we didn't see what we saw? I mean, and this was just being on TV. Never mind the people at the track. Let me, let me ask you a question, Barry. If that's a seven horse race, does that horse get scratched? Yes, indeed. Absolutely. No one. Because everybody, everybody <laughs> thought so, including, <laughs> including the assistant starters, because they took the number down. My question in the bigger picture is why does a $90,000 New York bread first level allowance only have four runners anyways? Yes. I, I know there's a couple of scratches, but why yeah, how, to that point? Yeah. Why are we even there? And, and uh, apparently that race had not been filling and I don't understand. You know, how, how does that race not fill? I know. I, w- I was thinking the same thing. It was like, well, you know, it seemed, you know, the field was light to begin with. And then the rain scratches. Yeah. You know, usually that that would, at least in my mind, be a, a, a race a lot of people would want to be in. I mean, Not you can't lot, just have every race be a turf sprint or right. a mile and a quarter. I mean, it can't just be that on the turf. Yeah, that that just these are the things that leave a bad taste in people's mouth, and uh, I'm not even going to comment on the, the the some by a member of the organization. Oh. Just, you know, I mean, just come on, like what what are you guys doing? We well, all handle, handle that, up a little bit. Everybody's puffed up, you know. Like, come on, you know, you know when you always say, you know. Um, it goes to your point when you say, you know, that they they believe that all the the customers are dumb. That's what that says to me when when you see things like that, and it's not the case. You know, typically a lot of guys that play horses are a little ornery, but they're not dumb. Yes, I, I get it. Saratoga's coming, and, and uh, it'll all be in the rearview mirror soon, right? But, like, it just, it just it doesn't need to be this way. I mean, how many times have we said it? Like, for a racing podcast, there's plenty of ammunition that the racing industry gives us. Plenty of ammunition. <clears throat> but we, it's we also plenty of marketing, like, things they can take from you know, if if I was running something like that, I'd I'd have somebody listen to these things. I'd have somebody listen to podcasts just to see what's going on out in the street. You know, like have their their pulse, have the the pulse of the street as to what's going on with with the customers. Why would you not do that? That's free market research. Free. Our show, free market research. If they really wanted to, and I'm sure some of them do. I mean, I, I'm not 
you know, trying to toot our own horn or anything like that. But I'm sure that people do listen and relay some of this information. But it's, you know, at this point, with all the, the, the racing podcasts and everything that's out there, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not talking about like the ones that do picks in nine podcasts a day on every race card ever. But I mean, shows like this one that, that seem to have more meaning behind it in, in industry. They should be listening to people in, in that situation and, and making their own evaluations from there and making decisions at least to help them. But it doesn't seem like that. It seems like it just goes, falls on deaf ears. Anything that anyone says that isn't inside an organization or at the top of an organization or a racing executive, it just doesn't matter. And that's, that's just not a good way to do business in an industry that's shrinking year by year. You got to have more clarity than that. Self-awareness as an industry. No doubt. And I think that a good point that needs to be made is that these are, this isn't just Barry's opinion and my opinion. This is taken from a lot of different sources. And a lot of people contact both him and I, whether it be through text or email. And sometimes they're just looking for an explanation because... <laughs> There just aren't any good explanations out there or not given, but it's just not us being grumpy. I mean, yeah, there are issues and there are things that are going to happen that kind of aren't that easy, easily explained. And, and we're going to actually get into one in a, in a, in a second um, where people think that this should be done or that should be done and it's either not easily done or it's actually not really the beneficial thing but um you know just just talking about um like some of the issues of integrity uh where linda rice is still training in new york and baffert's not and juan vasquez won a race today and juan vasquez has a a a poor track record and uh He's, uh, you know, if I ran a track, I wouldn't want him at it. I'd add it right to his little puny face. <laughs> Wayne Potts is not allowed to compete at, at, at a bunch of the Mid-Atlantic tracks for association with uh, America's guest, Marcus Vitale, who's now at Prescott Downs. Um, after being at Hawthorne, after being at Turf Paradise, after being at Lone Star. Because... You know, that, that's where these people wind up going. But it's not easy to, to just throw them out. It, it, it should be. But as seen with the Baffert case, and Baffert's a little bit different, obviously. But you get lawyers involved, and, and it becomes a, it becomes troublesome, and it becomes a real pain in the ass. And it right. becomes maybe right. expensive. A fight that nobody really wants, <laughs> you know. Um, so it usually kind of just goes away after that because the, the tracks don't want to fight it. I mean, we talked about the whole legislative process and the process also of uh, the testing with, of course, situation, uh, which, which has come. It, it's the light's been kind of shined on this process. And now people are like, 
holy crap, you were right. It takes forever. Yeah, it takes forever. Even without, um, you know, an army of lawyers marching up and, and suing you all the time. Uh, I mean, just today, the New York State you know, board uh, came back and, and, and struck back at, at Linda Rice's injunction. And I mean, this is a question that, that I think is, is a valid question. If you are going to uh, not allow Bob Baffert on your property because of integrity issues, and I have no issue with, with them doing that, then why are these other people allowed? Um, that's a question that's not easily answered. And I'm, I'm sure the first, the first answer would be, hey, they're all different situations, which is 100% correct. But uh, some of the stuff that we can do, um, you know, like not charge $14 for a draft beer or, yep. or have, you know, some sort of um, you know, consistency from the stewards if, if we could uh, – uh, you know the 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 low hanging fruit like like we got to pick the low hanging fruit right it, it's it's i say this all the time you have to control your controllables and you know there's a lot of things that are in the control of the racetracks and the racetrack executives and like you said the low hanging fruit that should be easy that that's a no brainer that's stuff that that needs to be changed or altered or fixed you know to accommodate the customers that's the easy stuff, you know, let the other stuff play out and you might not get that many gripes from people when you compound all these situations. Like you said, the $14 beer, that's a pain in the ass. Um, you know, high takeout, uh, jackpot bets, things like that. And all those things combined make the issue bigger when it comes to integrity and other things. If you take those things out, it becomes a focus, but it's, it's it's less of a thing because people are, you know, like, all right, well, the product is good and we, you know, we can go there and hang out. And not that they're going to overlook the integrity issues, but it, it doesn't make it such a huge deal in conjunction and combined with everything else. It's just human nature in a way. This is true. This is definitely true. And one thing that the individual tracks, individual uh, executive, individual groups forget sometimes is that the customer is not looking at you as an individual track. They're looking at you as part of an industry. So even though um, you might have situations that are, that are different materially, if one track does something that people like and you don't do it, well, you're going to hear about it and vice versa. So uh, that's that's the one thing that we, we forget about is that most uh, of our business is, is conducted through uh, individual means, meaning one track company or one circuit or one jurisdiction uh, kind of does things you know, without a whole lot of interaction with um, other jurisdictions. Now, there's some, of course, but to its, to, going back to the stakes, the stakes situation is, is really terrible. I mean, we should have, um, uh, I mean, in a perfect world, we would have a board meeting and uh, there'd be 12 people there uh, 
half of them from tracks, half of them not from tracks. And, you know, figure out a stake schedule for the whole country for the year. And, uh, you know, with certain parameters and uh, or at least some sort of schedule. I mean, we just have too many races. And that, that's, that's one of the biggest issues. There's just fewer horses. Crunk uh, had a stat early this year. Something like 5,000 less horses raced this year than last year, which is like a staggering number. And it's just not, uh, it's just not being dealt with. But, but that's a, it's a, it's a tough topic to talk about because there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of minutia <laughs> there's a lot of minutia but it's hard to get the numbers you know what i'm saying it's hard yeah, to say but there's so x private, amount of yeah. horses here there's x amount of horses there we see we kind of count them a- after they race so the amount that actually or haven't raced in a while we we really don't know um right it's never accounted for right we really don't know what that number is but uh, i mean just think about all the all the times that times we Horses or know about horses that just basically come down to to Gulfstream for the winter and never run. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, you see, you know, when they go up back to Keeneland or back to New York or somewhere up up north, you see the works, you know, the pattern. Palmettos, 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 and where do they start Keeneland, which of course makes the people at Gulfstream crazy, but it's just the way it is. All right, let's take another little break and we'll come back with uh, a great idea that's actually virtually impossible to do. All right. All right, we are back and we're going to talk about a situation that doesn't really have... um, an answer, but <laughs> it's one that everyone thinks has an answer. And I'm talking about thoroughbred aftercare. And uh, the Brooklyn Cowboy put out a post yesterday. I'm not picking huh. on him in any way, shape, or form. I'm just, he's the one that kind of got us started. And he said it would, you know, kind of racing should have. Um, a process where 5% of horses' earnings are taken away or taken out and put towards a pool for aftercare, kind of a um, social security for horses type of thing. And sounds most good. everyone thinks that's a great idea. Sounds good up front, but you, you have to think immediately that the logistics and there, there's gonna. It's just gonna piss off too many people. Well, the first, even though it shouldn't, I get what's what's going on. Like you know, there should be something, but I don't think that's the answer. <laughs> just it's been this has been a, an issue that's been studied for a while, and <clears throat> sometimes when nothing happens with things, because we do a poor job in the industry of, um, you know being transparent about things and, and letting people know that we are actually working on some of these things. But um, I have had some experience through my work at the HVPA here in Florida um, with 
the Florida Track organization, uh, which is the retirement um, retirement organization for South Florida. <laughs> and I've seen uh, the numbers. I've, I've you know gone over their their uh, their balance sheets and such. And I think that one of the things that people don't understand is that number one, it's expensive to take care of these horses because for the most part um, the biggest expense is probably the facility. It's expensive, really expensive to, to rent or to buy a facility. If you buy it, you have to provide the upkeep on it. So that right there is, is an expense because you remember these aren't horses that you're, you're selling or that are going to generate revenue or they're going to race or you're going to come up with a stallion or a broodmare that wins a grade one. There's no home runs. These horses are there for the duration. Um, if they're retired when they're three, four, five years old, well, they might live 20 years if they don't get adopted out. And even the adopting out process is a little bit tricky as well because <clears throat> there's not a, a great way of, of, of tracking horses once they've left, uh, which, you know, many, many, many horsemen owners, trainers have found out that horses um, that left with best intentions with seemingly great homes uh, somewhere down the line wind up in a place that you certainly never thought they would wind up. And, and a lot of times it's not uh, because anyone did anything uh, intentionally wrong. Uh, we had a horse when I was working, uh, Steve Bick and I, uh, we had the DT stables and we had a filly and she won a couple races, I think. Uh, and she had a knee that, that was bothering her. And I said, listen, she, she could probably go to like the mountaineers of the world and be okay for a while. I go, but I think the best thing to do is just retire. So she's a nice horse and, um, someone will, you know, she'll be, a, she'll make a good horse for somebody. We found a perfect, girl she was like 14 years old and she loved the horse and uh for a few years she she uh, she i don't know whatever they do with this stuff um i know we used to get a lot of pictures and the horse always looked great uh and then you know she grew up and she went off to college and her priorities changed and her mom and dad were stuck with the horse um so they don't really, you know, have the, the, you know, they're, they're, they're not wanting a horse and someone came along and, and seemed great and, and, you know, put her in a great home and, you know, had brochures and all this stuff. And it was, it was, a, it was a phony. It was a, it was a kill buyer. Damn. They sold the horse to her or not a sell. I think they gave the horse to her. And, um, a couple of days later, we get a phone call. Hey, this horse, uh, they tracked it down via the uh, the tattoo. This horse is in uh, New Holland auction. And I was like, can't be. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that that girl would would, would sooner you know, jump off a cliff than, than put her horse in a place like that. Can't be. And... As it turns out, it was, and and we of course got the money together and got the horse out there and, and got her into a different program. Or, 
Um, and she turned out to be okay, but um, right, that's that, one that, of that's the kind of things that happen. And uh, <clears throat> so, going back to the beginning, you're talking. I mean, to number one, to administer this, you would have to have laws change in different states because not every state has has, has the same laws. Number two, you would be compelled to get everyone on board. Everyone. And to think, that, to think that you're going to get people, prominent owners, of course, might have been disqualified from Kentucky Derby, not the one this year, uh, who won't <laughs> buy the groom's win pictures. If the trainer deducts the 20 or $25 from the win picture on his bill, he will take the, he will take it off. Or if he puts it on the bill. Won't buy the groom a win picture. Twenty twenty five bucks. Guy guy doesn't win a lot of, you know, three claimers. Do you think that guy's gonna give up five percent? You have a lot of people that take care of their horses, that that do take. Oh, it's time for retirement. There's a lot of really great people out there doing a lot of really great work. To get a five percent surcharge taken off of uh, earnings across the board, across the country. Number one, it's almost an impossible task to do that. If some wand was waived and, and you did get it, you're talking amount of money that would have to be administered. And everybody knows that when you start getting involved in these financials of tens of millions of dollars, this would be hundreds of millions of dollars. 5% of the, of the total per in this country is, is what? Dollars, right? Right? I mean, somewhere in yeah, that. Close. So you're talking $50 million a year. $50 million. Well, who's in charge of that $50 million? <laughs> oh, boy. That, that's, a, that's a huge problem in and of itself, let alone... I know that a lot of these organizations, after TA accredited, if you go to a, to um, adopt a horse from a TA accredited organization, all of which are nonprofits, have to be they're 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 required to be nonprofits. They there is a a list of of things that you need to do to be qualified in order to adopt a horse. Well. I think they have 70-something organizations across the country. <clears throat> and that would probably be, be like you know, 5% of the, of the total number. So now you're talking about trying to find hundreds and hundreds of uh, places to take horses. Well, who's going to administer that? Who's going to make sure that the horses that go to these places that are going to be fed money to take care of them are, are when, especially when you're talking about a nationwide program, it's going to cost $50 million a year to administer the program. <laughs> yeah. And there's no money left over. <laughs> and that's the thing. And, and who makes the call on whether a horse um, gets a, a surgery done, a colic surgery for an older horse, <clears throat> or if, if, uh, it's not really going to be, you know, 
advantageous for a 17 year old horse that's had a history of colic that has to have another colic surgery. It's going to cost uh, five, $6,000. And then the horse is going to need extensive care. And a lot of these horses at these facilities are taken care of by volunteers. So it, it's just, uh, it, it's a massive undertaking, a massive undertaking. It just it's isn't possible to do. It's an industry of its own. It, it would be. You would need to set up a, a, a big corporation. Yeah. A huge, and, and you'd need people all over the country. And no one, if this was happening, and this is the other thing, if they knew, if people knew, I, I knew of a rescue, and this was a story that was told to me, that had thoroughbreds and not, um, and they never wanted to adopt out the thoroughbreds because they were getting funded for the thoroughbreds and the non-thoroughbreds weren't getting funded. So those are the ones they always tried to move. Now, you're telling me that if we take 5% of the purses and there's this huge amount of money, that that's not going to happen over and over and over and over? You're literally creating a cottage industry. I mean, we have problems with the kill pen people, right? We're going to create a situation where, it, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It, it, it compound that issue. <laughs> Who oversees and, this? Right. I mean, There's... that's that's my question. Who oversees it? Who oversees it? How much, you know, and, that, and that's the thing is, is that these are like monumental, like they're huge issues. Just like I said, the first issue itself of having mandatory uh, 5% withdrawal from the purse account. Oh, people would go crazy. People will go crazy. And... And it's just the way it is. It's it's just it's just the facts. Like I said, even if you could, if there was a federal law mandated that said every five percent of every what it is, okay, outside of setting up a government system, how much government system? <laughs> Triple what that number was that you said. At least I, that. Exactly. I have a friend who uh, went to try to get licensed this week in uh, the state of Florida. Um, as a train, as a owner, renewal, a owner renewal. Standing. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh oh. About about a three hour old ordeal. Only three hours. Yeah, yeah. He was he he wound up having to to run around to get fingerprinted, and then once he got fingerprinted, <laughs> found out that he actually didn't need his fingerprints this time so <laughs> but that's the thing is like it sounds great but it just isn't great right and there's no easy fix that's the thing i think people don't realize it's not as simple as hey well we'll just take some money out of the purses or earnings or whatever that's that's like a tenth of of the whole ordeal <clears throat> the rest of it is is just a lot of you know regulation and people willing able to dedicate their their time you know 
I mean, now most of it is like volunteer work and people doing it, you know, for free. But if something that big of an endeavor, it's got to be full time work. People have to dedicate a lot of time and effort into it. You're, you're talking thousands of people. <clears throat> right. It's not just one person. It's many people in many states. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you're literally talking about having to have thousands of people, thousands, not not hundreds, thousands. You have a facility and it's got a hundred horses. Right. Do you know how hard it is just to take them to to, to take some in to the field and 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 bring the other ones in? <laughs> how many people that takes? I mean, it's it's. It, stalls to do all this it's it's a massive undertaking you're talking about thousands of horses and it kind of makes me sad that, that we can't come up with something like that right yeah it's it's depressing <laughs> i mean honestly I, I was always that my horses found good homes and for the most part you know, sometimes owners would take the horses, send them somewhere else, and you know you wouldn't know. But I was Oklahoma Den. I saw a picture of him the other day. Okie Den, doing, doing great. Amy Amy Paulus has got her, got him, and a couple of other ones of, of mine. And she does a spectacular <laughs> job. Um, we've had horses that have been retrained to go uh, to do a lot of different things. Um, but it takes work and, and my assistant, you know, who's a trainer now, Susan Ditter did uh, a tremendous job when the year she worked for me of finding, of vetting people, of making sure that the horses were going to be matched up with the right person. And, and it can be done. And there's a whole layer of people out there that want to do good, but there's also people that are trying to benefit from it. And, and when you talk about, um, a huge amount, a huge pool of money, there's going to be a lot of people coming in with their hands out. Lots of them. Yeah. Oh, the leeches. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it costs a lot of money to keep a horse rescue going. A lot of money. And believe me, the, the ones that do it and do it right, they're they're doing God's work, man. They really are. I going to say, that's saints work for sure, man. That's what anybody from... Uh, Amy calls me up from the TRF. Any organization I can do, I can do anything for. I can publicize. I can try to fundraise for them, whatever. I'll do it. I'll always do it because I know how much money it costs to run those things. And I know that they're, they're short money a lot because it's super expensive. It just is. But, um, yeah, racing can't be criticized for not administering a program that literally would be impossible to administer it just it just can't happen i mean there's just no easy way to have that happen and maybe you could do it in a individual state or at, a, at, a, at, a, at an individual track but horses come and go and like i said who administers the money who doles it out who yeah. decides who needs what that would be huge <laughs> that's the huge issue number one Right. I mean, and, and, and honestly, who, who oversees the person that's, that's overseeing it? I mean, We're, no. it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's gigantic when you think about it. And, and I guess, you know, like, like you said, the idea 
makes sense on the surface, but when you dig a little deeper, it's just like, how, how is this going to work? I don't even know how what the tax implications it, would be. It it just it's like I said, it, it sounds like a good idea, but you're just underestimating the amount of horses that we're talking about. And you know, thankfully, um, the anti slaughter bill was passed uh, the other day. Um, and con- it it sounds like um, you know the horses won't be allowed to be transported to foreign slaughterhouses um of course there's and and this is not it's a good thing believe me i'm not saying it's not a good thing we also are going to wind up in a situation where those horses need somewhere to go to right and where are they going to go um that that's you know it's it's a problem that doesn't have an easy solution um and it's a problem that we'll have to probably work on literally forever. But um, the more money that we can get dedicated to it, the more attention we can get to it, the more attention we can get to the good things, the positives, the, the success stories, the better. But racing sometimes gets criticized for things that it's just unable to do, not because of the willpower. Believe me, there's plenty of stuff the racing does terrible. We talk about it all the time. We've talked about it today. But this is one thing that we just... It, it, it's just not... It's just so complicated to get it done. People just don't understand how complicated it would be. Um, just, I know, from my experience here, is it's really difficult to run one of these places. To have a nation full of them Right. It's almost like, look at how hard it is for, for dogs and cats. Right. Let alone horses. I mean, it's just exponentially a bigger endeavor just off the the top, you know, just monetarily. It's just a whole different ball game. And in the end, you know, the owners and trainers are responsible. They are. You're responsible. You're responsible. <clears throat> way, though. Unfortunately, and, and and not the breeder, and yes, it's great when the breeder uh, does participate, does care, does uh, want to help. Yes, but if a horse is in your possession, you have a moral and ethical obligation to do the right thing. Too many people don't. Too many yep. people don't. That, that's and that, that's just that's exciting. So, right, but per, it's about personal responsibility and taking care of the whole, you know, of doing the right thing. Do the right thing. Anyways, I'll get off that uh, soapbox. Um, <laughs> we had the Belmont Derby kind of card this week uh, for closing weekend at Belmont. Yes. Um, closing day today at uh, Losal. Losal just opened and they're already closing. <laughs> It was a week, right? They were only open for a week. <laughs> yeah. Ro- they should call it Royal Lawsell. Should have ran a Fairplex. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, we got that Belmont Derby car, which is a little bit odd, actually. With I think it's usually earlier in the year. I think the way the calendar fell this year. Um, but, we, you know, Saratoga and uh, Del Mar opening them up. 
opening opening up next week, the end of next week, um, plus the Whipless Haskell. So <laughs> there's a lot of action coming up. Whipless, that ought to be interesting. It, it, it's sounding like a good field. I mean, uh, um, Mandaloon is signed on, and uh, uh, Hot Rod Charlie. It's gonna it's gonna come there, uh, be there. I think Wayburn is is gonna Jimmy Jerkins. I think he's gonna send him over, and uh, I'm not exactly sure if uh, if um, Steve Asmussen's going to send uh, any of his, but he may. Um, one one horse that won't be coming was Medina. Dang it! Which is uh, was kind of a good thing, honestly. Yeah, you don't want that circus. I mean, yeah, like you don't really need that. So, so the Haskell will be interesting, and uh, the the first ever whipless Haskell. Oof! Makes my stomach hurt thinking about it. Uh, tomorrow, I have um, I'm going in circles live. Got to get Casey back going, get him rolling again. All right. So it's on the hiatus. Um, John Scheinman is going to talk about his his novel he just put out. Uh, he calls it a novella, but that's too that's too, that's too fancy. Yeah, they had a Get category me. like that on Jeopardy the other yeah. day. Like, what the hell's a novella? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> go with a book. He's got a book out. Okay, <clears throat> something it's, to re- uh, a racing theme. Uh, We'll talk to him briefly. Says he actually has a job in in the daytime and can't just uh, babble with me for, for all, all hours. So he'll be on for for a little bit. First part of the show, uh, Mr. Carlo Vecareza is going to be on the show. Right, Frank and Dino's. Frank and Dino's is uh, be opening soon in its new location in Lexington. Uh, Lexington will have some real Italian food for a change. We'll talk to him about uh, can't get Nick. That. Can you get Nick on? Also, can what get Nick? Nick Becker's on. I'll have them on, but separately because if I have them on at the same time, then they'll bicker. It's a fight. <laughs> it's, it's it'll be a fight. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, Carlo will be on, and uh, I'll talk to him. We might have a secret guest later, but I haven't. I haven't Secret. got that uh, nailed down. A secret guest for a, 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 a situation. Can't really say much more about that. <laughs> Sounds like a government official. No, 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 no. He's not a government official. He actually <laughs> used to be a government official, but he's no longer a government official. Oh, yeah. You had well, to be. That, that's a possibility, but there's a lot of things that have to happen before... You know, we have that to, um, that rule, the going in circles uh, rule of doing everything we can not to be sued. So, <laughs> That's a good rule. Yeah, I'm gonna try. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> gonna stay stay within the parameters. Um, <laughs> we have some new equipment coming, so therefore, hopefully, uh, our our audio issues. We did a a pod with. Rossi, old crunk the other day, and ugh, it was it was raining, and just the audio just it just sucked. And uh, I, I know that 
issue. Uh, Verizon, um, you can sue me. If you have Verizon, Verizon, you suck. Okay. Like, come on, Verizon. Come on. Yeah, well, with our expansion to other platforms, they might actually hear that. I don't care. They know they suck. 5G. I tell, I swear, sometimes I think I have like 1G. <laughs> it's like it's got, it's got worse. Maybe it's just where you have Verizon. I was driving down US 1 today in Hollywood, right near Hallandale. I almost have no signal. On, on a major thoroughfare in South Florida. Well, that happened when we were on our way to, I believe it was the Florida Derby. Um, you were sending me the ticket, and mm-hmm. it took a while because I didn't have any service. And I also have Verizon. Yeah, and that- Verizon, what's up? What's up, man? Come on, put some more uh, What are the- towers. Towers, I need a tower. On my house. Yeah, I need I need a tower like right here. <laughs> on the beach. Yes. So, I mean tonight we're in the indoor studio. It was currently uh, looks Occupy. like Venice. Looks like Venice out there. There's so much water. <laughs> Have to get one of those what are they called? The gondola. There's so many fireworks here yesterday I can't even tell. My car was Covered in ash from fireworks last night. So it's raining right now, well, though. You you didn't uh, you didn't uh, JPP your fingers though. So no, that, got them. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, I will tell you this: if Gulfstream had turf works scheduled for tomorrow, they will be canceled. There will be no turf works at Gulfstream tomorrow. <laughs> it is pouring out right now again. But uh, it's the rainy season, so holding yeah. up that uh, construction on the on the tapita. It is too. It is, which pushes that construction. Uh, you know, the further that gets pushed back, the closer it, are, it's going to push back to the turf the, for the championship meet. No, right? Oh, not only are they trying to have that up by the championship meet, they're trying to have that up. Um, soon enough to close the turf course down for a period of time to to redo the turf course. Oof, that's brutal. It's scary thought. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, with the expectations. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it, it's it's definitely a challenge. I mean, you're talking twelve months at the same track. Uh, uh, I was at Parks that did 12 months same track. Of course, they don't have turf for... Parks doesn't have turf for most of the year. I was going to say, uh, like, seven months, they don't have turf. They, fine. Um, <laughs> Tony Black told me, he says, they never really designed a turf course there. They just put up a fence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now it's... Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, like I said, though, I'm on record as as, as kind of being uh, against it. <clears throat> well, not against it, but I'm on record as being that I don't think it's going to be a big success. Put it that way. I'm curious. I'm in the curious box on that one. 
Yeah, but it's uh, it's still a work in progress. It'll be a couple months before we know anything about that. But uh, but anyways, it was um, you know, countdowns on Saratoga Del Mar are are uh, just over the horizon, and uh, I think it. I think they're going to have good meets this year. I, I don't know why I'm so optimistic about, them, but I, I think that uh, it just seems the word I get from. My people on the ground in these places is, is that they really feel strongly. And places were very um, pessimistic. Well, yeah, the same people that were pessimistic last year are telling me that it's definitely a thing to be optimistic about this year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting good things, especially with fans back. It's a little weird. I, I mean, I think I said this the last time watching races with no fans there. It's like watching a boxing match with no fans. It's just, it's just yeah, strange. Weird. It's weird. <clears throat> it's weird. All right. Well, Barry, appreciate you uh, coming on as always, and uh, we'll talk next week. And we got uh, we got some stuff going on this week. We got to get the the videos we've been promising everyone. Get yeah, I'm gonna I mean, try to get them up and up and rolling. We started on a on a you know holiday weekend ish type situation, so gotta get that behind us, and then we got we got those videos coming up. Yes, sir. We'll we'll get those done, and uh, I'm going to learn more about the technical aspect of this stuff. <sighs> Only one way to go, man. That's right. I'm a ten, I'm a ten pound bug with the. With the equipment. Got to win eventually. Sometimes. If Omar Marino can win, I can win too. Hey. Omar Marino. He used to be a center fielder. Now he's a jockey. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Uh, we'll talk to you. Tell Breezy. We'll see you soon. And uh, well, uh, good luck for the rest of the week. All right, my man. All right. Day next Monday. Be there. Big, big show next Monday. A big, right. big Monday. A big, 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 big. Gigantic show. Monday. A, a Boban Monday. <laughs> yeah, if you don't get the Google it. <laughs> B-O-B-A-N. See <laughs> you later. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at PleasantAcreStallions.com or call 352-528-2885. Pleasant Acre Farms.